Hi, I'm Nayland, and you are listening to the Massacast, a podcast for people 18 years of age and older. Hi, and thanks again for downloading another episode. Um, first, uh, two people, two people in this past week donated to the podcast. You know who you are. Thank you. One person donated like $35, another person, 100 bucks, 100 bucks to the podcast. And that's, that's going to come in really handy because I have to order uh, another microphone. I was in mid, mid-interview recently, and it just crapped out of me. And uh, apparently if you record more than 15 minutes, it starts to crap out. So I have to keep this short. <laughs> as, I, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the next couple episodes will be event-based. We have uh, uh, next episode will be with the gang from an event called Amorous Revolt, which is coming up uh, this summer. It's a uh, queer kink camping event. You can go to Amorous Revolt, just as it sounds, .com and find out more. Uh, and you got to book t- tickets early for that as well. And this episode... Master Severin, who's uh, the the big wig, the genius, the brilliant, I'm sure there's uh, many other geniuses behind it too, of the Q City Kink Alternative Lifestyle Festival um, in Quebec City. That's going to be May 15th to the 18th, so you can swing in for the weekend. Um, It sounds like an amazing event, and and also I've always wanted to go to Quebec City. Uh, If you go, I'd love to hear... Uh, about your experiences, so you could be like a uh, uh, event reviewer for the Mastercast. So here's the interview with uh, Master Severin. Enjoy it. We'll talk about everything else about your 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 kink, but you are right off the bat. You said you consider yourself a natural dominant. Whenever I, I have a lot of female dominant friends, and if someone says they're dominant, invariably there's some guy, usually guy. Uh, if they're at a party, we'll say, oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, you haven't been with me yet, that type of thing, right? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> does, does that, you said, you, has that happened to you before? Where someone, where you've said that and someone has either challenged it? This, I'm submissive myself, so dominance are a little weird to me, just, you know. Right. Uh, I honestly don't use the word dominant in vanilla because uh, I don't find that people actually understand. Uh, I was talking to someone recently about this, how... In the vanilla world, if you're naturally dominant, and by that I mean that you're just somebody who takes control, somebody who enjoys leading, uh, and I don't mean somebody who's abusive or or, um, controlling in in a bad way, but if you are naturally dominant in the vanilla world, then you're seen as, you know, a control freak, an asshole, you know, a lot of negative things. So I tend to not like to use the word dominant because it's mistaken, you know, almost like an arrogance, you know, people are saying... Oh, okay, so he thinks he's dominant, and it's it's no, it's it's nothing about that. I do enjoy dominating women, uh, you know, but it has nothing to do with the social aspect of it. You know, it's not it's my role. It's not that I'm playing a role in society. You know, as a man, and I'm supposed to dominate women. It's it's nothing about that at all. And you know, the kind of man that you're talking about, you know, that um, uh, the douche dumb. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> the douche dumb. I like that one. <laughs> Well, you know, that's, I find that one, you know, he's playing the role and, and often it's somebody who's a switch, somebody who's a submissive and he's playing the role of a dominant, um, you know, either to, to get laid or to just, um, you know, find his place or make, make a name for himself in society. The thing with the douche dom, I'm wondering now, how many are just putting on this act because they think that's what they, because let's, I mean, speaking from experience, a guy doesn't say, hmm, I'm going to be submissive and I'm going to get a lot of sex that way. <laughs> Does not happen, right? I, right. I, I know guys who have feigned dominance just to get laid, right? Right. Um, so maybe that's what it is. Maybe there's maybe the, the douche dom is really just a submissive who hasn't had sex in a long time. And yeah, I, I wouldn't generalize and say all of them. But no, yeah, all I, of them. I do agree. All that. of them. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> no. Maybe. <laughs> Sorry, you were saying? Uh, no, go ahead. Uh, no, you were you're saying, doing good with that. No, you were saying that you wouldn't say all of them. Do you think there's other other excuses? Maybe we. Should, I'm trying to dismantle the douche dom. Yeah. Um, hmm. You know, it's, it's 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 rather difficult because in society, you know, when you meet people, it's it's pretty much 
you know, in passing, you don't really get to know them in depth. And I find that you really need to get to know someone in depth to really know how authentic their, their dominance is. And uh, sometimes, you know, just having a friendship, watching that person, how they are in control of themselves and how they direct others. You know, when you meet some people uh, who are natural leaders and some of these natural leaders, I consider uh, natural dominance uh, or dominance. Right. How do you, so if you have, maybe you've been in this position before where you've had a friend or someone who was interested in uh, a dominant and you are clearly, you're like, all right, I'm pretty sure this person is not the right person. Or, or, or maybe more to the point, what, what are some telltale signs for people who are maybe just getting into the scene? There's a submissive who's like, how do I tell the difference between a douche dom and someone who's sincere and genuine? How do you, is there a litmus test? Is there right. something... You know, I've, I've mentored um, a lot of people over the years, and I've taken under my, my wing a lot of submissives, and it's, it's kind of the same thing I tell them each time, you know, especially when it's an online, because, you know, today we meet most people online, right. uh, most new people. And, um, for example, if you're on FetLife, and the first three, four messages you get from a dom, he's already talking sex or, you know, some kind of, you know, kind of setting up a meeting or something. Uh, well, chances are, you know, he's, he's, well, that's kind of a difficult thing because either he's a, either he's a kinkster, which is fine because, you know, he's just kinky and he just likes kinky sex or, uh, or he's just a douche dom. <laughs> and, uh, I think more times, um, I think more often it's, it's, it's the douche dom, you know, he's, he thinks it's a sex site, he gets on there and he wants to just check out his opportunities. Right. And that's another thing too. And I use the word opportunity. And, uh, you know, the douche dom is an opportunist. And, uh, you know, he sets up his opportunities or if he sees an opportunity. Uh, for example, my, my webpage on FetLife, I have a link to my submissive. And my submissive is also my girlfriend. Right. And on her webpage, it says, if you're a dom, you know, don't contact me because Master Severn reads my messages. And I will not add doms. I will not talk to doms and whatever. And uh, she constantly gets messages from the douche dom opportunist, right? You know, who clearly doesn't care that she's in a relationship or that she states she won't add a dom. And a lot of them are, you know, really direct. They're like, uh, "Hey, babe, you know, let's meet up tonight." And it's wow, you know, it, there's nothing dominant about that, right? <laughs> well, maybe let's step back a little bit. Okay, uh, let's go back to like when did were you first? Uh, when did you first exposed to or maybe identified as a kinky person? Uh, where, where did that, where, where was the genesis of that for you? Wow. Okay. Um, today I'm 39. I'll, I'll be 40, uh, later on in this year. I think the first time that I can remember anything that related to me recognizing my dominance was when I was about 17 and when I was 17, I was studying, uh, psychology in college. And when we'd spend all day in classes and textbooks and all that, and, you know, the teacher would give us homework and we'd have to learn how to, to uh, study human behavior. I didn't get it that we'd have to try to understand human behavior in textbooks. So what I did is whatever topic or theme we had that day in class, I would try to find it somewhere in public. So I had the habit of at the end of the day, I'd go sit in a shopping mall and up, try to observe whatever we learned in class which I thought was actually worked out really well because, um, you know, what better way to observe human behavior than in a public environment? Yeah. So one day when I was at a shopping center, um, I walked by this woman and she kind of smiled at me and then kind of lowered her eyes. And I don't know, I just kind of felt something really cool between the, the two of us. It was almost kind of this, she's a complete stranger, but she was kind of almost giving herself to me. And I don't mean sexually. I mean, she was just kind of, in her, her eyes looking down was almost like her bowing to me in respect. And I think that submissive women can, can read when a man is dominant. Now, can they tell the difference between a man who's authentically dominant or not? That not, not always. I, I, I don't always believe they can. So um, what happened is after I passed this woman, I had some errands to do and then Later on, on my way out of the mall, I happened to see her in, um, in a clothing store. 
and she was just looking at dresses and things. And um, I decided, well, I'm going to go and I'm going to talk to her. I'm not really interested in kind of like trying to pick her up or, or, you know, trying to get laid. It was more a thing of I really liked the energy we had upon meeting. So I wanted to see, you know, how far we could go with that, with that dynamic. And um, so I approached her. I introduced myself to her, and I, and I helped her pick up pick out a dress. And I found that there was kind of this strange kind of role playing, because there was it was very natural. There was nothing weird or, or awkward, and, and we were talking to each other as if we'd known each other for a long time. So we, um, I got her to try the dress on, and then when she had the dress on, I told her that I approved of the dress, that she looked great in the dress, and then I suggested that she'd find shoes to go with it. You know, I kind of liked the fact that I was suggesting and recommending, you know, the way that I wanted her to look to be dressed and, and that she was going along with it. And she actually looked uh, to be really enjoying the fact that I was kind of taking this control. So um, after she had gotten everything, she says, well, you know, now that you've chosen everything that I'm going to wear, now you have to decide, you know, where I'm going to wear this for you. And uh, so then, you know, later that night, we, I chose a restaurant. We met at a restaurant. We dined together, got to know each other. And at the end of the night, we uh, went back to her place. And um, strangely, it was, it was really more the, the dynamic of dominant submissive that I enjoyed in that evening. It was the fact that she let herself, uh, she gave herself to me to do anything I wanted. And, and I know that sounds pretty, you know, sexual, but it was, it was really the side of, uh, choosing everything and then really dominating her physically more than the erotic side of it that I got off on. Right. And I think, I think that was the first time that I, you know, where I kind of, um, kind of felt the flame for, uh, dominant submission. And so after that experience, you're, you're obviously like, Hey, that's pretty good. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, absolutely. And, and did you immediately know, all right, now I have to, now I know what I'm going to be doing now. Is it, was it just sort of a, you know, all right, now let's dive into this. Is that how it worked, or was it something that kind of gradually happened after? Well, no, actually, it, it lit a fire in me, and what bothered me was I didn't know where to find that again uh, because, you know, I spent one night with this woman, but she wasn't looking for anything serious. She wasn't looking for a relationship, so we just kind of stayed friends. And um, so I didn't know where I, I could find a similar, you know, situation. Uh, back then, there was no internet. There was no way of meeting others. There was no fet life where you can say, "Okay, well, I can find another submissive woman somewhere." So uh, I pretty much, pretty much went around, you know, meeting women regularly and dating. And even when I found women who wanted it kink, kinky in the bedroom, it still lacked that that dynamic, the DS dynamic that I had with with that woman when I was seventeen. Yeah. You know, yeah, it was still kinky sex, but it still missed that 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 real dynamic. So how did you find that the DS was a, a thing as well, other than maybe just reading it in books? Right. So I'm using the word DS today. Back then, I didn't know what DS meant. Right. I just knew, yeah, I just knew the the intensity, the energy, the passion that I that I was seeking, and um, uh, I went about looking for it. And quite honestly, from 17 to about 21, I didn't really find it. So I kind of fell into a vanilla relationship. And uh, that re- that relationship led to uh, a marriage, <laughs> right. and um, a very very vanilla marriage. So I think during that that time, during I, during being married, I, I kind of told myself, well, you know, it happened once in my life. It probably was just kind of a freak thing. It just it kind of started justifying in my head that what I was looking for didn't really exist. Uh, and around that time, the internet started getting popular. And when I say popular, I mean more commercial. Right. So, you know, people were having it in their homes. And I had the opportunity of going online and there's, you know, websites were starting to come up, BDSM websites. There wasn't exactly any kind of um, social websites like today, like FetLife. But I started seeing images online of things that excited me, that gave me that same feeling I had with that woman woman when I was younger. Um, When I was 27, uh, I was just getting out of my marriage and I met a woman from the States and um, she was looking for exactly what I was, I had been looking for since I was 17. You know, she was interested in BDSM and wanted to meet somebody who was dominant to, to dominate her and control her and, uh, and not only in the bedroom. So the more that we talked, the more that I realized that she was looking, she was looking for and she was offering me, you know, what I had been looking for for about 10 years. So 
what was interesting with all of that is she offered to uh, fly up to Canada, and she wanted me to control absolutely everything, you know, every every single aspect of our weekend together. So she rented a, a hotel room, and the moment she arrived, she gave me her credit card, and she said, here, you're controlling everything this weekend. You're controlling what I wear. You're controlling when I wake up, what I eat, when I eat, you know, all our social activities. And, um, you know, having spent about 10 years in the vanilla world, I, at first I, I felt kind of like somebody who was put in a position to take advantage of someone. Right. And I did, so at first I was hesitant. Um, and when I say at first, I mean for about half a day. And then when I realized that, you know, everything was fine, that, you know, she wasn't someone who was, um, how can I say, she knew what she wanted. You know, when once I realized what she wanted and it was consensual between the, the both of us, you know, we're both adults, um, I, I felt like I was playing into her fantasy as much as she was playing into my fantasy. Uh, the more that the weekend went on, uh, the more that I felt really at my place, you know, really just you know, ordering her dinner at the restaurant, telling her exactly how much she was going to eat and, you know, really leading and directing the whole weekend. I really felt in my place. Uh, and, you know, it had brought back that flame that I had when I was 17 again. And the good thing about that was at 27, the internet existed. Um, there was more of a way to have access and know that the world that I was looking for before existed. I can imagine that must be a bit of a shock, right? How can I say? I was ready at that point in my life to, you know, once I saw it was there and I had waited so long, you know, to know that it existed and there it was in front of me. I said, you know, now that it's here, now that it exists, that it's for real and that there's, you know, other people that are out there who are living this lifestyle and her and who are looking for people like myself, you know, I'm not taking this lightly. I'm, you know, I'm diving in. <laughs> right, right. And I, I threw, I literally threw myself right into it and started reading about it and educating myself about it, going to munches, meeting people. And um, it's gotten to the point where now, uh, more than 10 years later, I'm, I'm literally living it 24-7. You make it sound like the, uh, and I've always gotten this vibe that um, people, when, they're, when, they're, when they lean towards the DS, when they have just the kink aspect of it, they, it really feels very empty and, and, and unfulfilling. Uh, whereas I know tons of other people who are, you know, they'll have the kink and, you know, they're not really, they're, they're, they're either really towards the DS or they really aren't all that interested in DS as far as a, on a spiritual level, right? Right, uh, right. If you ask someone uh, who's not really into DS all that much, you know, about... Uh, about protocols or something like that. And they're like, what, why the hell would I, you know, want to control <laughs> every aspect of a person? That sounds like a more work, you know, it's right. like more work. That is, that is something I hear a lot from people who don't under, or maybe not don't understand. They maybe understand it, but it's not, it's just not in, you know, it for them. What is it about controlling so many different aspects of someone that does it for you? That does, so it doesn't feel like work, right? Right. Um, See, everyone finds their place in the BDSM lifestyle, whether they find it in fetishism, whether they find it in kink, or whether they find it in, you know, the S&M side of it. Um, when I speak of control, you know, of course, for me, there's two sides. There's the DS side, and then there's the MS side. And for me, the MS side, um, you know, I've already had a 24-7 uh, master-slave relationship with someone, and uh, I had, you know, she gave over complete control, you know, a total power exchange relationship for a, a full year and I can honestly say that that was probably one of the most difficult things I've ever lived it was it was interesting it was exciting I enjoyed it but it's it's literally having to control someone non-stop and um, with myself I found that this person this is this woman really wanted to kind of empty herself out and, and just kind of be a, um, I hate to use this word, but almost this, this prop for everything that I needed her to be in life. And, um, you know, I appreciated the relationship. I appreciated her. 
but there were there were moments where, for example, if I had a, her scheduled 22 hours a day, you know, the moments, you know, from when she would wake up and all her activities during the day, if I would give her two hours break somewhere in the day, then she would she would freak out. She wouldn't know what to do with herself. Wow. And and that bothered me a lot. It bothered me that yes, I enjoy controlling her, but her free time, she didn't want even free time. She did, she literally didn't want five minutes just to sit by herself and and read or play a game or something. So. That sounds really, really, really difficult. <laughs> it just sounds like there's so much there that can go wrong, right? Like any, like any relationship, of course. You know, it, whether you're talking about vanilla relationships or you're talking about DSMS relationships, what's paramount, what's important the most is compatibility. Yeah. And with me, with this woman, is there was there wasn't compatibility for what we were looking for. Um, I'm sure I could still have a, an MS relationship with someone and, you know, we're, it, everything would go well. And, but for the experience that I had, I wouldn't necessarily say that it was, uh, how can I say, uh, the best experience for the both of us. So you, you, you make a distinction uh, between DS and MS, it sounds like. Yes. What, yeah. how, what is the difference for you? Hmm. This is a touchy subject. I'm not sure if I want to get too deep into this because no, it's okay. I mean, it's just your yeah, own yeah. perception, right? It's your own opinion. Uh, right. Obviously, I'd like to think the people who listen to this podcast are smart enough to know that you're not saying this is the way it is for everyone. That you're not saying that this is how it should be. You're just talking about your own personal experience and what you what you feel on the subject. And you know, while someone may not feel the same way, I I have a pretty good feeling you're not going to get anyone saying hey wait a minute you know right unless well then i don't i don't know what you're about to say no no i'm fine talking about it it's just i don't want you know like you say we we, we all have our own opinions and I, I don't want to insult anyone anyone else who's who has their opinion on on their lifestyle and, sure, and how they're sure. living it so um i'm gonna i'll probably say i'll probably use a lot of in my up my sorry in my opinion or um for me, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I, I, I hope that everyone understands that that's where you're coming from. You know, especially since you've already explained it beforehand. So this is <laughs> this is fine. This is fine. Uh, now, for me, <laughs> <laughs> DS um, can be full time. Uh, you know, I can have a relationship with my submissive, who submits to me. Um, you know, for for whatever I, I'd like her to submit for. Uh, for me, the difference between the MS and the DS is uh, one big difference would be the total power exchange, of course. You know, um, for example, my submissive, I consider a, an alpha sub because when we are in our roles, uh, and when I say in our roles, I mean when we've decided to have a scene or we're setting up a scene. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm only a dominant or she's only a submissive when we decide to get into roles. But, um, in our roles, you know, it's she lets herself go. She's submissive to me. Outside of the relationship, we pretty much have kind of a, and and that's what's inter interesting is because she's my submissive, but she's also my girlfriend, and that's a tricky situation because normally when I have submissives, I don't have any kind of romantic relationship with them, and you know that's the same with the master slave relationship. If I have a slave, uh, there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing uh, emotional. Well, I shouldn't say emotional, but um, nothing romantic. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just feel that by getting into this, because for me personally, uh, a master-slave relationship, I would need to be closed off romantically to my slave. And to others who are into master-slave relationships, it's important to them that they have that connection. So what is it to you that um, adding the romantic aspect changes it? Because I've heard this before. I've heard this before. Right. Right. Um, in my head, I, I, I find there's kind of like, I have to be in a certain mindset in my head to let myself go in, um, in my dominance. And when I say dominance, I mean dominance in the BDSM world and BDSM play. Right. Uh, the way I'm dominant in, outside of the lifestyle or in everyday life in the vanilla world is different than how I am in the lifestyle. Um, romantically... I need to, how can I say this, concentrate on the cerebral part of the dynamic of dominant submissive 
and not concentrate on the emotional side of myself. Right. Uh, there's still kind of emotional side, but that comes from the emotions that I get uh, from being excited of dominating someone. I think this is getting a little complicated, no? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Okay. It makes sense in my head, but I'm, I'm kind of hearing myself, and I feel like I'm kind of like wrapping up a web of confusion. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's something that I hear a lot from people when they say – they will say uh, love and MS do not mix, um, that it, it changes the dynamic. It, um, it makes it so that lines are crossed. Uh, it's something I hear. I hear quite a bit. People will say that it just it just is. That's just uh, the way it works. And and the, I hear this from a lot of people. Um, I think when you're emotionally involved and romantically involved, you naturally want to, and I say quote unquote, protect your partner, take care of your partner, not harm your partner, um, really keep your partner you know safe under your wing. And in BDSM, you're and, and not everyone's into S and M play, but to generalize my answer, in BDSM, often in the scenes, you're doing things that uh, are harming your partner or, or bringing some kind of intense sensation um, or pain. And I think that's what messes around in, you know, the heart and the mind, uh, at least for myself. You know, I have to make the, the difference. Um, I have to kind of separate it in, in, in my head or else I can't get into it. Uh, for example, if I'm... I don't know, uh, watching a movie with my girlfriend and, uh, you know, we're cuddling up on the couch and watching a movie and talking. I, I can't just all of a sudden switch and, uh, I don't know, take out a needle and start putting it through her skin, you know. Right. It, 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 it would be impossible in my head. I, I would have to switch over to the other mindset. Uh, yeah, no, that's kind of the, the, the vibe I get from other people, too, that they say that um, it's too much of a – that that leap is too much of a leap that uh, one side will suffer, that either the romantic relationship side will suffer or the uh, MS side will suffer. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I think it's one of the biggest challenges on having a romantic relationship with your partner, with your submissive partner or your dominant partner. Right. Um, I, I've always found it a challenge, and if anything, I've kind of avoided it in the past. And even when I met my, uh, my current girlfriend, um, we had met each other strictly... Um, foreseening, you know, and we were both of us, we were not looking for a relationship. It just happened that, you know, after seeing and, and getting to know each other about three months later, we kind of just looked at each other and we kind of knew that we, you know, we were in love. And um, uh, that kind of freaked me out a bit because, you know, my heart was closed. I was kind of not looking for that anymore. I was done with the vanilla world and the romantic side. And, you know, I just wanted to enjoy myself and really just get into the lifestyle and just have as much pleasure as I could almost to kind of make up, you know, make up for lost time. And, um, I still find it difficult today to kind of find that balance. You know, I'm sure a lot of people are, are, are probably living that, that same, um, situation too, where they're trying to find the balance. Sure. Like I know, like, are you monogamous? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm monogamous. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Oh, there sounds like there's more there. Well, yeah, it's because, you know, in my position, I, um, I do initiate subs. I do play with other subs. And, uh, but as for monogamous, as in monogamous, do I date other people? Am I in love with other people? Absolutely not. Um, I can only love one person at, at a time. And, um, uh, and, you know, I share my heart. I, sh I share my life with my girlfriend. And I'm not looking for other girlfriends, but I do play with other subs. So I don't know if that would be considered monogamous or not. Or I mean, so you know, everyone's uh, you know obviously entitled to their own. You know, does she play with other dominants? No. So, uh, so here's the so Saad is a is a pro dom, mm -hmm. and she does play with clients, right? And occasionally she'll go out to play with. Uh, you know, with you know, she'll go to a female play, all girls play, all women's, all vagina carrying play party. <laughs> okay. And uh, and I take that back because some of those people have penis anyway. Non male identified. How's that? Okay. That Man, sounds good. Damn it! It's just so. Con 
I know. I get so confused with all the terms today that I, I'm not even sure what I am anymore. I'm just, I'm just, it's, and I, I, and I want to stress when I'm saying like, ah, it's just so confusing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying I'm an idiot. I, we're going to go off on a slight tangent here. <laughs> There's a, I have a friend who was dating a trans, you know, a trans person, right? Right. And this person was born with a penis. And, um, uh, so I, I'm always, I totally always respect that. Right. However, uh, this person was at a party and I came up to this person and I said, Hey, how's it going, man? Now keep in mind, I say that to my female bodied friends as well. I'll say, Hey man, how's it going? I say that. Right. Right. But the fact that I said the word man all of a sudden, I, I go into a tailspin of, <laughs> I did I just, uh, you know, of course, I'm not going to point out the fact. I was like, hey, man, how's it going? And then as soon as it came out of my mouth, I'm like, that's not a man. This person doesn't want to be known as a man. You should respect them for, I'm like, fuck. But I say that to all my female friends, too. <laughs> now I feel like an asshole. And I'm just like, God damn it. So I go to our mutual friend and I said, I just totally screwed up. And I, like the whole rest of the night of the party, I'm just, to- I'm just thinking to myself, how do I tell this person that I wasn't saying, hey there, fellow penis carrier? You know, I wasn't <laughs> saying that. I was right. not saying that. But it's like, ah, oh, man. So, again, it's me. It's not – I totally understand it's not – like just recently, a friend of mine – friends of mine start uh, start saying, yeah, this is this cis male or this cis female that uh, I know. And mm-hmm. I just had to go, mm-hmm, yep, yeah, I don't – I didn't know what that meant. I, right. you know, I had to, I had to Google, but uh, because there isn't a, you know, if if you're if you're deep into gender politics, you know what this means the second it gets used because people well you'll you'll be reading the article articles about it and all that stuff right. I don't, you know, I have tons of friends who roll in, roll in that space, but I'm not in it. I'm not subscribed to those blogs and all this other stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know when it happens, and they don't have a memo, a newsletter that comes out that says, all right, everybody, here are some new phrases that you have <laughs> to know without being an asshole, right? Right, right. And now I, 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 to- I totally understand that um, uh, I am the privileged one in this situation, right? I am a white uh, guy who uh, grew up in the Midwest and, you know, had a very sheltered life on a farm. I, I totally understand that I'm not – me complaining about being an idiot is low on the totem pole for this, right? What mm-hmm. I'm saying is someone – what they need is they, there's got to be a website and maybe – I'm sure it's already out there. There's a website for uh, – because there's tons of websites out there to educate people who are very deep into this subject. I can't do that because that's like me going to med school when I just finished eighth grade, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> And there are uh, there are websites for people who no not like for my mom right there are websites for people like my mom, and you'd never use cisgendered with her that's way too confusing for her. what we need is a website for people like me who I know all about you know I I've got all the basics covered I just need you know there's got to be something out there if you're listening email me let me know because I I hate going to parties and feeling like an idiot you know right and I want to be respectful. I want to be respectful for this, and and, uh, and so I want to be up to up to up to par on it. This is actually sounds like a good spot for Alex. I should just have Alex come in and we just talk about this. Anyway, <laughs> um, what the hell are we talking? About? Oh yes, we're t- so so. Uh, when you play with other subs, right? Is that hard for her, or is she? Well, we kind of made a deal when we met each other because uh, when I met her, I had, I was still seeing other subs and, or seeing other subs, but having other subs come to me, and um, I kind of told her at the beginning when we realized that there was a relationship beginning, I told her that I was going to stop seeing subs for a while until she was comfortable with it, and for myself, I did it for her and I did it for myself also to give myself a chance because I hadn't really opened myself to anybody romantically for, for quite a long time. So I decided that, you know, I would give some time and just kind of just concentrate on the both of us, uh, the development of our relationship romantically and 
um, through a, a dominant submissive relationship. And about six months later, we, were, we had another discussion and I asked her, you know, if she was interested in um, scening with another woman present or, you know, myself dominating a woman and, and her being present. And not only was she open to it, but she was actually open to being a part of the scene and uh, possibly experimenting with dominating the woman, which I found really interesting because I, you know, I, I, I always knew that she was an alpha, an alpha sub. I know she was kind of, she's very in control of her life and, and, and dominating outside of the, of the lifestyle. So, but I had never really seen it with us. She never tries to dominate me. She's never bossing me around or she's not brat. She's not, uh, so we met with a, with a, a girl who was, um, looking to be initiated into BDSM and, uh, we had an evening of three of us and I dominated the, uh, the new sub and my sub dominated her. And at the end of the night, uh, when I, you know, when we talked it over, my, my sub had really enjoyed the experience. She felt it was natural. Uh, what she did to the other woman uh, was very natural to her, uh, which brings us to an interesting, uh, point because now, you know, she's kind of considered switch, um, with, you know, the terms that we use today in the lifestyle, but yeah. I still don't consider my, my, my sub, a, a switch. I think that under certain circumstances, under certain scenes, um, she doesn't mind switching, you know, like if I'm there, but I, I, I can't, I can't see her just, you know, saying, yeah, I'd like to uh, just have a scene myself and another woman and I'd like to dominate her. I think it has to do with just the entirety of the scene. She doesn't mind dominating a woman, but doesn't necessarily um, have a need to do that outside of our um, our relationship or our dynamic. Right. Right. Did you have a conversation about, oh, okay, here's what, what you won't do when you're playing with other subs or here's what, you know, did you have that conversation of what is considered... Uh, too far, too much? Yeah. Um... I, I, not when we decided to actually start meeting other subs and, and playing with them. At the beginning, when we started meeting meeting each other, there was kind of, yes, there would have been more of a kind of a, of um, guidelines or rules. But when we actually got to the point where our relationship was strong enough and we knew each other well enough, there was no need for having any guidelines. Um, she trusted me completely and, um, you know, she put her faith in me. And after playing, you know, with another girl, she saw that, uh, putting her faith in me was was, you know, put put to well, put put to a good place or put right. to a good. Uh, so um, no, well everything's founded. well founded. Thank right. you. So let, let's talk now about um, let's talk about your location. Now I say Quebec. You say Quebec. <laughs> you do say Quebec too, because yeah. I've heard it, I've heard you know especially the the French Canadians say Quebec and all the, you know the different. Yeah. Well, in French it's Quebec. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I have spent a ton of time in Saskatchewan, so I know what I'm talking about here. <laughs> um, no, so so what is what is Quebec scene like? Is it? I always get the vibe that it's pretty rich in everything, including kink. Um, now, keep in mind that Quebec is a province in Canada, right? And also a city. So I live in Quebec City, right. which is the, which is the capital of Quebec province, right? So now, if we're talking about Quebec as a province, uh, it has a pretty pretty decent scene. Um, of course, we have uh, Montreal Fetish Weekend in Montreal, which is probably the biggest event in the entirety of the pro- of the uh, province. Right. Uh, I think they're going on their eleventh year this year. Um, but what about Quebec City? Is it very is it very rich in kink or? Well, um, I've been here. It's going on. I think it'll be six years. In October, so a um, little more than five years I've been here, and when I got to Quebec City, there wasn't much of a scene. And when I say a scene, I mean more of a community. Um, there were private parties; uh, people had private parties in their homes, uh, private dungeons, uh, but there wasn't really a community uh, munches or anything of that sort uh, when I moved here. And uh, several years after being here, um, there was a munch that started, and about a year after I moved here, uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't handle living in a city where I, I couldn't go to events or I couldn't go to munches anymore. So I decided to uh, start or, or organizing events, and I did uh, probably two events each month for the first 
a year at least. Uh, they were just small events uh, because um, Quebec City is uh, pretty much cons- a very conservative city. So um, it took a while for people to get comfortable coming out to the events. You know, you have somewhere like Montreal. It's, it's, it's a metropolis. It's a big city. Um, and there has been a scene there for forever. Right. But when you come to Quebec City and there's no scene and you start making events, it, it takes a while before people actually decide to come out, before they're comfortable to, you know, coming out. Um, I would say it probably took a good two years of having regular monthly events before we started seeing a larger population of people coming out. You know, uh, I'd say after the first year, there's probably about 50, 60 people. Wow. At, the, at the end of the two years, I'd say a little more than 200 people. Wow, that's <laughs> yeah. pretty good. So, so uh, Quebec City is what, half a million people? Yep, about half a million, yep. And now I'm, 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 I would be very curious to know, uh, because uh, France in general is, is uh, from my outsider perspective, seems to be very, you know, if you were to look at the higher concentration of swingers or kinky people, swinging seems to be more prominent in, in France, yeah, it, that's just kind of the vibe I get from talking to people. Yeah, is it is it the same? Would you say for f- French Canadians? Do you think uh, there's more is swinging more of a thing than? Yeah, well, I'm originally from Ontario, and oh. um, Ontario and Quebec, it's it's a very different world for me because um, in Ontario, in in my experience, uh, talking about sex openly, it's it's not really done. You don't really you don't talk to your 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 siblings or your family about your sexual interests, your sexual partners, or whatever. And I find that in Quebec, it's it's really really open. And sometimes it shocks me how open it is. Um, there's a lot of uh, you know massage parlors, uh, de- uh, swingers clubs, and um, strip clubs. And when I say a lot, I, I mean a, a lot more than you normally see in a city. Right. In, in another city. Um, so when you when you talk about the swinging scene, um, I've been in, I've gone a bit into it here in Quebec City. Um, mainly, I had a partner who was interested in getting into it, um, so we went out to a few a few events to check it out. And um, yeah, I'd say there's it's it's pretty it's a pretty swinging city. <laughs> As for the compared to swinging kink, so, you know that's it's so difficult to say because you know you you have people who are interested in kink uh, in BDSM at home. So if, if you had to compare with the people who are at the events, well, you know, there isn't that many people that are at the events, but I can't imagine in a city of half a million people that there's only, you know, two to 300 Kingsters in the city. I, I, right. I can't see that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those things too, that if you, it's always a, a tough comparison because swinging by nature, there has to be more than, you know what I mean? There's, there's, it's it's sort of a group effort, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. By the way, uh, now that I know that, like, Canadians, I, I guess I'll I, Quebec being a really big uh, swinging city just made me think of uh, wow. The, when the French went to go trap beaver in Canada, they weren't kidding. <laughs> the worst joke of the show, ladies and gentlemen. That's it. It's all uphill from here. So. Um, <laughs> Uh, now you get this. You remember the kids in the hall sketch when they're rowing the canoes? Yes, yes. Like, ah, what the... <laughs> ah, the beaver. What were we thinking? <laughs> um, okay, so I just love it because you know sometimes a kids in the hall joke goes flat here. You know, it's ridiculous. Um, really? Okay. So, uh, speaking of events, you've got a really big. In fact, when you when you originally contacted me, you said you wanted to you didn't want to talk about the event that you've got going on. Um, it sounds like a very interesting combination. Uh, in your email, it's got fetish, BDSM, gothic, cyberpunk, steampunk, and rockabilly, right? And, and burlesque. burlesque and burlesque. Yep. yep. Um, all of those things sound similar, except rockabilly. <laughs> um, well, that one touches a bit on burlesque so uh, okay All right. yeah yeah um, um yeah I, i'm super excited for the festival this year because it's going to be our third year doing it and um you know the first two years i was kind of trying to find my place where i fit in as a as an international event 
And when I say international, I mean uh, we do our, our publicity internationally and, uh, you know, we welcome people from everywhere. And the first two years, we tried a few things and we found that, um, you know, for example, we have Montreal Fetish Weekend in Montreal. It's, it's two hours away. It's three hours away. So, you know, that's a fantastic event. I didn't want, I wanted to offer something different. Right. You know, um, so, you know, n- now in the third year, it's actually taken shape and uh, I'm really excited on how it, how it looks, it's how it's designed as an event. It's an alternative lifestyle festival. Uh, a lot of the people that came to our events in the last three years um, were Kingsters, were into BDSM, but I found that they had their foot in other lifestyles. You know, they'd come, but they were also in goth industrial or they were also in rockabilly burlesque. Right. You know, or they were, you know, into many other lifestyles that personally I find kind of go hand in hand. You know, you have the gothics who are interested in either the fetish clothing, the fetish wear, or, and I just think it really all go, it all goes well together. And myself, I'm obsessed with variety. You know, I like, I like changing things up, having different experiences, and to have, you know, all these things all in one weekend. And even though it's an alternative lifestyle festival, and yes, there's a burlesque theme. Rockabilly burlesque theme one night, cyberpunk another night, and the gothic the other night. Those are kind of like the performances at the end of the night. Uh, but it, it's it's pretty much a BDSM event, you know, throughout the whole weekend. And with that, I mean, we have um, Lou Rubens, uh, who is a uh, an awesome bondage artist. Yeah. He's going to he's going to be coming up to Quebec. Uh, I think he's only been to in this neck of the woods, I think he's only been to Montreal several years ago, but it's going to be his first time in Quebec city. So uh, he's really looking forward to coming up here. And uh, we have a bondage model also that, um, that Lou has worked with uh, numerous times, Drea Morgan. Um, With the list of, of entertainers and performers we have all weekend, there's really a long list, burlesque performances, uh, fetish performances, and uh, another thing that I wanted to include into the festival that I don't normally see at, at fetish events or BDSM events is live music. You know, I'm a, I'm yeah. a musician. Yeah. So I'm a musician. So, you know, to go to a fetish event where, you know, you have all this kinky stuff and you have workshops, you have socials. And, you know, at the end of the night, you get to, to, to see a live band. I thought that that would be pretty cool. That is, yeah, that is very unique. I've never, i never heard of it. Is it, uh, was it hard finding artists for or or are all the artists kinky as well and you just <laughs> some of them are actually in the scene okay um others when i uh suggested the idea of an alternative festival it, it was actually amazing on how, how many people were just uh really just you know interested in, in taking part in this project right it, it was really kind of you know i talked to one artist and you know he talks to other artists and all of a sudden i was just getting a, a flood of messages from people interested in taking part in this festival and even every day you know we have a certain schedule already set for workshops and and performances right now we're four months ahead of time uh so um what are we now we're january so in january we already have pretty much a a, a, a schedule for the for the event but it's going to change from from here until the festival you know i'm going to keep adding stuff into the festival um right now We've got uh, Lou Rubens doing four workshops, and uh, we've just added some more general bondage workshops. And um, I think we're up to about, I think, 15 workshops to date. And I'm planning on adding more, you know, from here till May also. So, uh, Quebec, Quebec is such a beautiful city. Absolutely beautiful. It's, it's really gorgeous. And um, they call it the Des Moines of the North. No, I'm kidding. It's totally <laughs> Sam and I were hoping to make it to Europe this year, but um, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. So maybe we'll have to carve some time out because it's on the weekend. You could take a train up, and it's you know from New York. It's not that it's not right. that far. So if, if I can I can honestly tell you, if you are someone that's living in America and you you know have wanted to go to Europe and you just can't for whatever reason, I, I can guarantee you that if you come to Quebec City, it's a touch of Europe. Right, it well, really no, it is. Yeah, it, it really is. Everything from the architecture to you know the accents, you know, it's, <laughs> but it's really, it really, really is uh, just. I mean, beautiful either way. So, um, one of the events we're doing during the festival is actually a fetish uh, walk, and we'll be walking through uh, old Quebec, which is uh, more than four hundred years old. And uh, in this area that we'll be walking in, there's actually been some Hollywood movies that have been filmed there. 
Um, Catch Me If You Can has been filmed there. Now you're talking uh, to New Yorker. It's just kind of... <laughs> Uh, what Everything's else? been filmed here, my friend. No, yeah, but, but for see for Canada, nothing's been filmed here. So that's, that's true. That's why Everything's it's a big in deal. Toronto. Everything's in Toronto. There, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, no, but that's one thing that always surprised me too. Is you look at pictures of Quebec City and you look at pictures of New York City, and you, you've held on to your history. Right. We yeah. have like Wall Street. You know, we have just some very, very. There's very little that uh, that's remained uh, around. So we're really missing out. So that's I think, really, really. Really great thing to check out. But, um, mm-hmm. This has been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. I, I just want to mention one thing. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, and it's kind of a question I, that I'm asked quite often from people who are from different countries. Uh, Quebec City is a French city, but uh, anybody who's interested in coming to the festival, uh, you know, they can get by quite easily uh, in English. You know, most people here are bilingual, and uh, anybody who's, in, who's taking charge of the, of the event is bilingual, so... I didn't even think about that. I didn't think about that. But yeah, no. yeah. No, uh, is, is the, we'll have the uh, link to the website on the Mexican's website. But in case someone is at their computer right now, what's the? How does someone find out more info? Okay. Uh, well, they can visit the official webpage, which which is at www.qcitykinkfestival.com, or they can just uh, find me on FetLife, uh, Master Severin, S E V E R Y N. And just send me a message on FetLife, and I can answer any questions. This has been really great. I would love to talk more with you in the future, just about general stuff. Uh, there, there are so many times when I'm thinking, like, there's no way this could be true for all male dominance. And, you know, every time I've ever thought that, you've proved it already wrong in just about everything you've said. So, <laughs> Well, um, thanks a lot. I, I've really enjoyed this uh, this talk. No, we got to we, – we seriously, we should do it again. We'll talk about it, you know you – know, uh, Definitely before the next Kink Fest, and okay. um, and yeah, we should just we should do it again because I think it'd be there's a ton of questions. Uh, we you know we I don't have male dominance on very often because um, it's just it's it's a lot of them don't feel comfortable talking about you know their feelings or whatever that that often <laughs> or, or whatever. Um, okay. But yeah, so it'd be it'd be great to have you back on again. Uh, yeah, thanks again for doing this. Absolutely, it would be my pleasure. Thanks, Master Severin. And again, that's the Q City Kink Alternative Lifestyle Festival. You can find uh, a link on the Massacast website, massacast.com. And thank you again to those people who donated this past uh, week. It, it really means a lot to me that you care enough that you want to keep the show going, and that's how to do it. I can't afford to uh, put my own resources other than time into the podcast, so uh, the fact that you're willing to help out with money really means a lot. And uh, yeah, so... Uh, We'll talk to you later. Thanks again. Bye-bye.